I know this is different because uh, we're not singing, and the reason we're not doing that is so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, and so that's the reason why we're not singing right now. It's one way that we can love our neighbor as ourselves as we continue to face this pandemic that we are currently in. Before uh, we open up God's word, please pray with and for me. Let us go to the Lord now. Father, you see what we are dealing with within our body, within our city, within our state, within our country. And as your people, we lament these things and we pray into these great sufferings and pray for healing. We pray for justice. And so, Lord, we particularly want to pray for Atlanta right now as they continue to deal with what they're dealing with, with the death of Rashad Brooks. I pray for his family. I pray for the mayor of Atlanta that you give her wisdom as she leaves her city. Give her great, great wisdom. And be with Rashad's family as they grieve his loss, his kids as they grieve his loss. I pray for wisdom for the churches in Atlanta, that they will be salt and light during these times. And we pray for healing, Lord. We pray for hope. We pray for truth. We pray for peace. And Father, I pray also for the, the preaching of the word that what what is said from this pulpit will glorify you, not us, not man, not myself. That the words that come forth today will, will highlight the greatness of our God and King, our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The preacher is just a vessel. The preacher is not part of the Godhead. The preacher is just a servant, a vessel. Use for your glory. Holy Spirit, you are the one who makes preaching powerful. You are the one who has to take these words, these words that you have given me. You have to take these words and, and change my heart with these words. And you have to take these words and, and change the hearts of those who are here and those who are watching. You do that, Holy Spirit. That's your work. And Holy Spirit, I cry out to you and ask that you will move. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, please uh, open it to John chapter 13. Uh, we are going to focus today on verses, um, I think it's verses 4 through 11 today. Yes, verses 4 through 11. A love that won't let us go is based completely on who Jesus is. Not a Jesus of our imagination. Not a, a, a westernized Jesus. Not a Jesus that's created in the image of our culture, our ethnicity, our nationality, our political affiliation. 
A love that won't let us go is not based on a Play-Doh Jesus that we have shaped and molded with our hands. This love, this love is based on the man that Jesus sees in the mirror. Do y'all remember who Jesus sees in the mirror? If you wasn't here last week and if you haven't listened to last week's sermon, then please go listen to it. These sermons are connected. When Jesus looks into the mirror, he sees a, a, a human Jewish son. That's who he sees. He sees a divine son of God. When Jesus looks in the, in the mirror, he sees both God and man. These are all amen statements. He sees prophet, priest, and king. He sees a friend of sinners, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus sees a, a high priest who, who empathizes with us. He sees the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The good shepherd who walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you need that shepherd right now? Jesus sees the Redeemer and King who cares about our spiritual needs and our physical he cares about both. Saints, Jesus knows who he is, and he knows what he has to do. And so while knowing that, that the Father has given all things into his hands, and, and knowing that he has come from God, and, and knowing that he's going back to God, and, and knowing that he has loved his own to the end, and, and knowing that he's a, a Jewish son, knowing that he's the Son of God, knowing that he's the Messiah, knowing that he's Emmanuel, knowing that he's the Good Shepherd, knowing that he's the Lamb of God, he gets up from the table. He gets up from the table, fully confident in who he is and what he has to do. The text says he rose from supper, stands up after the meal, and he humbles himself by taking the position of a servant. Amen. Jesus makes an intentional decision now. To take the position of a servant. I want you to pay attention to, to his nonverbal actions. It says he lays aside his outer garments. He takes off his robe and ties a towel, a towel around his waist. Then he pours some water in, in a bowl. And next he washes the disciples' feet. Think about those. Think about his actions. Take them to heart. The people in, in this time... They, they don't they don't have any sneakers. You, you, you can't go buy any Air Jordans. And, 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 and to make things worse, they don't even have any no names. And no names are, you know, cat heads. Those are, those are the fake shoes. They, they wear sandals with, with no sidewalks and paved roads to walk on. Their feet are constantly exposed to sand and dust. The earthly elements can leave a person's feet dirty especially if it's raining so it's customary for the host of a home during this time to make water available for his guests to wash their feet jesus mentions this in luke chapter 7 verse 44 now the host doesn't perform this task 
it's delegated usually to a servant. But in the upper room, there is no servant. Just Jesus and his 12 disciples. Jesus rises from Sephora. Remember who he is now. He rises from Sephora, humbles himself, takes the role of a servant, and then he washes the disciples' feet with his hands. Next, he unties the towel that's wrapped around his waist, fully exposing himself, and uses the towel to dry their feet. He washes their feet. He dries their feet. And listen, Jesus doesn't wash and dry their feet standing up. He did what Kaepernick did in the NFL. He took a knee. Come on, somebody. He takes a knee. He kneels down to do it. He's on his hands and knees washing and drying their nasty, dirty, dusty feet. Process this for a moment. Think about what is taking place in in this upper room and remember who this is. He's not some average Joe. The son of God kneels to wash feet. Emmanuel kneels to wash feet. The God-man, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Lord and savior, redeemer and king. He kneels to wash feet. The word who was with God and became flesh kneels and washed to wash feet. The word made flesh kneels to wash feet. The great I am is a foot washer. Say amen statement. Can you see the portrait Jesus is painting in the upper room? Can y'all see a love that won't let y'all go? Is a love that washes y'all, that washes you? Many churches from various denominations have a Monday, Thursday worship service. This is the Thursday before Easter Sunday. Many of these worship services include a, a feet washing ceremony. And, and the, the foot washer is usually a, a person in leadership, a pastor, a bishop, an elder, or a deacon. And the recipient is usually some member from the congregation. Now, there's a big difference between our feet washing ceremony and what Jesus does here in John 13. The difference is the people receiving the washing. The recipients are different. Y'all will not wash the feet of the type of people that Jesus washed. You simply won't do it. This is real talk. Be honest with yourself. You see, Jesus washes the feet of a man he knows is going to betray him with a kiss. Ooh. Think about that. He's kneeling down, washing the dirty feet of one of his disciples who is going to later betray him, but he's going to betray him with a kiss. And he still washes his feet. He washes the feet of a man who will later deny him three times. He washes the feet of men he know are going to let him down in the garden of Gethsemane. 
He washes the feet of men who are going to abandon him and leave him when he's arrested and put on trial. He washes the feet of people that we won't have anything to do with. He washes the feet of people we will quickly cancel. And you know you have canceled some people. And labeled as unredeemable and unforgivable. Jesus washes the feet of sinners. The racist and the anti-racist. The good and the evil. These are amen statements. Unless you think you don't need a foot washing. The self-righteous, the unrighteous. The moral and the immoral, the accepted and the outcast, the imperfect and the so-called perfect, the rich and the poor, those who believe in systemic racism and those who do not, the Republican and the Democrat, the liberal and progressive and the conservative and the traditionalist. He washed their feet too. The independent and the libertarian, the powerful and the powerless, peaceful protesters and those who riot and loot, clean cops and dirty cops. The white supremacists and those who try to dismantle that that ideology. The pro-choice and the pro-birth. Black lives matter and all lives matter. He washes the feet of all kinds of sinners, including y'all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yet some sins that people commit are more heinous than others. All sins are not equal. Do y'all see the picture? That Jesus is painting in the upper room. Jesus welcomes all people regardless of their sin. If that makes y'all uncomfortable, if it offends y'all, then you might be worshiping a Plato Jesus. You might be worshiping the wrong Jesus. See, the Plato Jesus, he, he allows y'all to dictate to him who he can welcome. He, he allow y'all to dictate to him who's worthy of a foot washing. That's what a Plato Jesus does. He bows down to, to, to you. You mold and shape him how you want him to be. But the real and, and the authentic Jesus of the Bible, he is a, he's not having any of that nonsense. Exodus 33, verse 19 Listen to, I want you to listen to what Yahweh Elohim tells Moses. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Let me put it plainly for you. I'm going to do what I want to do, not what you think I should do. So go sit down, Karen, and buy Felicia. Jesus doesn't need your permission to wash a person or to wash their feet. What he needs you to do is get in line, be quiet, and wait your turn. That's what he needs. Get in line, be quiet, and wait for your turn. See, I think some of us, we prefer Jesus to love us the way we think we should be loved. To wash us the way we want to be washed. And other people don't even think they need to be washed by Jesus. And some of you might be saying to yourself, why is Jesus washing feet anyway? Can't he delegate that to one of the disciples? That's beneath him. All the disciples are probably saying the same thing, but none of them speak up. But Peter does, as usual, because Peter doesn't understand why 
Jesus is doing what is meant for a servant. He doesn't understand why Jesus is doing what's beneath him. Here's something we don't realize. Him coming to earth was beneath him. And that's our problem. It ain't him washing the feet. The incarnation was beneath him. But he came in a way for you. For you. Peter asked Jesus a curious question. He says, Lord, do, do you wash my feet? Do you, do you wash my feet, Lord? And Jesus answers him, answers him and says, what I'm doing, you do not understand. But afterwards, you will understand. But then Peter says to him boldly, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus. You shall never wash my feet. Some of you wrongly think that you're so close to Jesus that you need him less than other people. You don't have to wash my feet, Jesus. I'm good. Judas, he needs it. Those people, yeah, they need it. But me, I'm good. Peter refuses to feet wash him because he doesn't understand what it means. There's more going on here than what's taking place. Listen to what he says to Peter. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Did you notice something about Jesus' response? He doesn't say anything about Peter's feet. He doesn't say he's not talking about Peter's feet here. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Wash you refers to Peter's whole person, not just his feet. This is a spiritual and physical washing. To have no share with Jesus means you are lost in a state of sin and misery. It means you're not saved. It means you're not in union with him. It means a person doesn't know him and saving faith. You see, saints, there's a difference between washing off in a sink and taking a bath in the tub. Okay. If you're new to the village church, I got to train y'all some more. There's a difference between you washing off in a sink and you taking a bath in the tub. Now, if you never bathe in the sink, then you, then you must never have hard times. There's a difference between a partial bath and a full bath. The feet washing is a partial bath. But but what about the rest of your body? It's still dirty. The washing that Jesus offers is a full bath. And the feet washing, you see, is just a supplemental benefit of people who he's already bathed fully. Jesus' bathtub is the cross. The soap and water is his shed blood. Jesus' bathtub... It's the cross. The soap and the water is his shed blood. Without them, you are still dirty. The one Jesus has fully washed is the one whose sins have been cleansed through his atoning sacrifice on the cross and his death and resurrection. The prophet Isaiah says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, you are made clean. That's a love that won't let you go. That's a love that will not let you go. Do you have it? If you have saving faith in Jesus, you have it. 
you have a love that washes you fully? And if you don't, do you want Jesus to wash you? Do you want a full bath or a partial bath? Do you want to bathe in, in, the, in a tub or just wash off in the sink? Do you want your feet washed or your whole body washed? He says to Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Then Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my, my hands and my head. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, the one, who has, the one who has a bath doesn't need to wash except for his feet, but it's completely clean. But all y'all and all y'all are clean, but not every one of y'all. That last statement is Jesus giving the side eye. Look at the authentic Jesus throwing shade. All y'all are clean, but not every one of you. That's a funny statement because Jesus has jokes here. I guess y'all don't get it. John gives us an inside look into Jesus' thinking here. He says in verse 11, for Jesus knows he will be betrayed. He knows who will betray him. That's why he says, not all of you are clean. The phrase, not all of you are clean, refers to Judas. He gets his feet washed by Jesus, a partial bath, but he never gets to full bath. And that is some of us in the world today. We're in the church. We're hanging out with Jesus. We're hanging out with his people. But we have yet to be fully bathed by him. Is that you? Is that you? Judas gets his feet washed, but not his soul. Many people simply want Jesus to wash their feet. Many people are simply okay with just the common grace that God gives them. Because everybody benefits from common grace as Christians, as, as people, because we're image bearers. A partial bath is, would never be a full bath. A little bit of Jesus would never save you. It would never make you clean. There's a hymn that says, what can wash away my sin? What, what, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's, that's, that's soap and water there. That's not washing off in the sink. For, for my part in this I see. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope. This is all my peace. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's a love that won't let you go. No other fount you know can do it. Some of y'all are bathing in the wrong tub. Because you got a Plato Jesus who allows you to do that. Some of you are bathing in the tub of your own political views, your own theological views, your own social views, your own nationality. And you have not yet met the real Jesus. It's time to confess that. It's time to come clean. Those things are sinking sand. They will never save you. And put this thing, the water's already dirty before you get in it. You're deceiving yourself. I think it's still going to make you clean. It never will. 
Waikita and I, uh, on for our 11th anniversary, we 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 had we set a goal that for, for our 11th anniversary we were going to spend eleven dollars on a gift or gifts. It was a time for us to be creative, and we were. We shared little gifts and notes that represented our 11 years as husband and wife. Waikita hit a grand slam with all of her gifts. And my favorite gift was a big, giant pencil, and I forgot to bring it out. But I've shared this illustration with y'all before. And, and there's a reason that she gave this pencil. It, it symbolizes something wonderful that we've been practicing for over 15 years now. So when she gave me this pencil, I have a small pencil, I just use that. So when she gave me this pencil, this is what she said. This is what she told me. She said, over these 11 years, you have never written my sin and shortcomings in ink. But you you wrote them in pencil, and you erased them with your forgiveness. Over these 11 years, you have never written my sin and shortcomings in ink, but with a pencil, and you erased them with your forgiveness. And similarly, the sins of believers, because believers still sin. And if you don't think believers still sin, then you are blind and you have a huge blind spot. The sins that believers still commit are not written in ink or with a permanent marker. They're written with a pencil because they're real. But Jesus lovingly forgives them, erases them through his forgiveness to you. And that is the amen statement. Just so remember what I said earlier. The foot washing is a, super, it's a supplemental benefit for people who already have been fully bathed by Christ. It's a, this foot washing is a daily benefit for Christians. You see, a love that won't let you go welcomes you and it accepts you in your sin, but this love will not leave you. It will accept you there, but it will not leave you in your sin so you can still live in it without conviction and repentance. Jesus loves, his love meets you where you are, but it will not leave you there. His love changes you, but do you believe it? Plato, Jesus, doesn't change you, you change him because you can mold and shape him. The real Jesus changes you, molds, and shapes you. Do you believe that? Well, how do I know if I have a Plato Jesus, Pastor Alex? If you think Jesus always agrees with your views, Plato Jesus. If you think Jesus always agrees with your political views, Plato Jesus. If you always think Jesus agrees with your view of justice and righteousness, Plato Jesus. That's how you know. Because if Jesus never allowed to convict you and to correct you, then that's not the authentic Jesus. That's the Jesus of your own imagination. One that you created to make you feel comfortable in your sin. The washing of the feet is about Jesus' daily sanctification in the life of all his people. It's the daily forgiveness and healing that he gives you 
to those who have saving faith in him. Romans 8.34 tells us that Jesus continues to intercede for us in heaven. And why does he continue to do that? Why? Have you ever asked yourself that question when you read that passage? If we're already saved, why does he continue to intercede for us? Because he knows we still have sin struggles. That's why. That's why. Hebrews 7.24 says, tells us that Jesus always lives to make intercession for his people. He always lives to make intercession for his people. Remember what, I, what he told Peter in verse 10. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it's already clean. You are clean. The message Bible says, if you had a bath in the morning, you only need to wash your feet. Now you are clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. If you are a Christian and you think you have arrived, if you are a Christian and you think you don't struggle with certain sins, that you have progressed your way out of certain sins, then you are in denial. Jesus' work in your life does not end with salvation, and some of us think it does. It begins at salvation and continues throughout your life. That's his sanctifying work. Saints, that, that, that there are areas in the lives of all believers that are dead, that needs resurrection. There are areas in your life that need resurrection. You need a foot washing. So take off your shoes, relax your feet, and let Jesus do what he does. But you've got to be honest about it. Do y'all... Do y'all honestly think that all the racist people in America are non-Christians? Do you honestly believe that? Do you honestly believe that? Do you honestly believe that that all the hate crimes that have been committed in our country were committed by non-believers? Again, what, what, what real Christianity do we have? Do you honestly believe and think that only non-Christians can be white supremacists. Now, this is real talk. Because we have this ideal of Christianity, of Christians, that if I'm a Christian, then I'm beyond certain sin struggles. That I'm, I'm sanctified. Then you don't understand your own heart. Then you don't understand your own heart. You are blind. You have blind spots. We all do. Do you honestly believe that Christians don't commit heinous sins? That's just for those pagans. Please remember, the reason why slavery thrived in our country was because of the church. Christians. It wasn't pagans. It was Christians. So some things lie at the feet of the church. Because we haven't done what we're supposed to do. My favorite, one of my favorite authors, T. Austin Sparks says, T. Austin Sparks, he says, for somebody to take the attitude that they are not capable of the worst is an attitude of deepest deception. We do not know the power in our being 
until we are put to it. If you have never committed the worst, it is because we have never been put to it in the mercy of God. But it's all there. The Lord put his finger upon it in the principle when he says, he that hates his brother is a murderer. It is the same spirit. You have to only extend that, provoke that anger, put that nature in certain circumstances, and you will discover that you are capable of the things from which you stood in utmost horror at one time. So what does that mean, Pastor Alex? That you will loot and riot if the circumstances are right. That's what it means. So before you pass judgment, Please know that same spirit is in you. Is in you. The circumstances just ain't came in your life yet. When you look at all these movies that that, that those the, the end times movies like the shows like The Walking Dead, you know the show ain't really about dead people. It shows you what human beings would do when chaos comes. We will destroy each other. It is the mercy of God that we still exist. I hope you know that. That is a common grace that we are still here. Because left to ourselves, we would destroy ourselves. If there was no God. You want proof there's a God? Humanity is still here. If he was not here, we will destroy ourselves. It is his grace. And calming mercy that keeps that at bay. Because if he ever removed his hand, we would kill each other. Have you ever thought about the fact that every people group in the world that ever wanted, wanted their freedom, they killed for it? They shed blood for it? Have you ever wondered why that never happened here in America with African Americans? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Where would America be without the black church? If something else would have got a hold of black pain, where would we be at war? So the greatest gift God ever gave to America is the black church because it connected our pain to a Savior who understood it. So you need to believe that, America. You need to believe that. Because without that, we are at war. Still. It ain't the Constitution. It ain't the founding fathers. It's the historical black church. Because she took the pain of my ancestors and connected it to a savior who was there. Because there's something more radical that got a hold of that pain. We're having different comments. Put it this way, we ain't worshiping together. And people say, African Americans are so forgiving. Be grateful that we don't want revenge. But we all we want is we, we want is equality. That is God. That is God's grace. That is God doing that. So again, ask yourself, in all of history, what did people do to get their freedom? They went to war. Read history. Look at history. We went to war. Something for us to think about. 
it's time for us all to do some deep soul searching as Christians in America. It's time for us to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our blind spots. What areas of my life need a foot washing? And if you can't think of any areas, again, are you worshiping Plato Jesus or the real Jesus? I know I have prejudice in my heart. I know I do. I do. And I can own that. You know why I can own that? Because I have a Savior who understands and forgives me. Because if I'm really resting in Jesus, I can own whatever sin that I'm struggling with. Because he can help me and heal me. Can you? And will you? It's time for us to admit to Jesus that our feet are dirty with some of those sins that I mentioned. And we need to go to him for a foot washing. And here's the thing. That foot washing happens all the days of your life. You're never going to arrive. Church, you're never going to be what you're going to be. On this side of glory, you're going to struggle. Just own it. Just tell the truth. Just own it. 1 John 9, 1 John 1, verses 9 and 10 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. He's talking to Christians here, not non-Christians. It's one thing for us to pray to a God who won't forgive us, but when you realize who the Father is, then you can freely admit, man, I just might be a racist. But my God can heal me. Man, I might be someone who struggles with these things, these thoughts, these attitudes. But thanks be to God, if I can own it and confess it, he can cleanse me of it. That's the foot washing. And Christ does that without shaming you. Now, if you're going to social media to admit those things, you're going to get shamed. But if you take it to Jesus, he won't shame and guilt you. He'll forgive you. He'll redeem you. He'll he'll give life there. He'll transform you. But you've got to let go of Plato Jesus and say, I want to meet the authentic Jesus maybe for the first time in my life. And allow him to do the work. Think about what the church in this country could be. The example that we can set. The things that we can stand for. If we're really worshiping the same Jesus. Man, we can be salt and light. Man, we can speak truth to power. If we would just come and ask him. Reveal to me. My issues, not their issues, or those people's issues, my issues. And I challenge you, saints, challenge you, Village Church, as we move forward in the season that we're in, the season of prayer and lament, 
the Spirit to reveal to you how can I be someone in this body that can help us move forward. But each of us, your pastor included, we have things in our life that needs to be washed. But we first got to own it and tell the truth. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are more than willing and able to do these things that I just prayed. You are. And you're doing it. You're doing it. We don't have to beg you to do it. We don't have to plead with you to do it. You do it because of who you are. And Lord Jesus, as your people within the village church, as we engage each other this week, as we go back out into our sphere of influences, let us step out with a greater awareness of who you are. Mold us, sanctify us, encourage us, change us. Wash our feet daily and mold us into the people you want us to be. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Will you please stand for if you, for those that are here or if at home if you want to stand up, that's fine.